this show is to get to the heart of well-being through inspirational stories of everyday people, expert insights from a number of health and lifestyle related disciplines, and exploration of topics that underpin well-being. If you want to take control of your well-being and put yourself front and center in your life, then this is the podcast for you. I want you to feel calm, nurtured and inspired so you can enjoy your life and your success. If you have not yet done so, please subscribe, rate and review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you know someone else that would get value from the show as well, please share it with them. Join me on this journey and let's live the fab life together. Hi everyone, it's Suzanne Kohlberg and I'm really excited today to be welcoming Bev from Living Fabulously with Bev. And I reached out to Bev because we both work in a similar field with health and I've been having some of my own cravings lately. So I thought I'd invite Bev today and we would have a discussion about it. So welcome Bev. Mm, thanks Suzanne. It was so great that you reached out because like you, you know, we're working in this space, but that doesn't mean we don't have cravings ourselves. What we do have is we have tools, we've got strategies, and we wanted to share those with you because they really sneak up on your cravings. It's sort of, sometimes it's just purely um, a kind of emotional hunger. Sometimes it's really the body's saying something, but we want to cut through all the noise for you today. And so for those of you who don't know me, I'm a wellbeing transformation specialist and I'm working with female entrepreneurs and professionals who really, I guess they're feeling exhausted by their <laughs> lives and they've got brain fog and it's impacting their ability to actually work and earn consistently. And what I do is support them to create the energy that they need to really run their business with passion and to create the space where they've got time for themselves in their life. So how about you, Suzanne? Let's hear more about you. So I work with women, um, mostly mums, that doesn't have to be, who, who eat for reasons other than hunger, who are done with the fad diets, who are done with being mean to themselves, who are done to, with punishing themselves and know that this is really going to be a long-term thing and they're after support and they're after someone to reflect back to them how, you know, it's not that we don't ever do a Macca's run. It's not that we don't ever overeat, but it's how that we come back from that in a way that's kind and gentle and how we can still allow these treats or these things in our lives. It's not that we have to eat clean all the time, but we can just stop at this one thing and enjoy it rather than having it lead to this big binge fest and I'm going to quit and start again when I feel motivated. Mm. until monday comes hey until monday yes. comes we don't need any more mondays we just need one meal at a time or one snack at a time exactly exactly yes uh, so while you're listening i just encourage you to make a, you know just type the questions in the comments so that we can come and answer those for you because obviously we've got a couple of things we really want to share we just want to cut through the noise there's just often so much to be said about cravings, but honestly, we, we, you're in safe hands here with us. Totally. And the more interactive it is, and the, the question that you have that you might be like, oh, I'm not really sure. Someone else is bound to have that question. And it just, it really allows this to be a, a safe space that we can share what's happening and not feel judged and not feel like we have to be quiet about it. Because I think a lot of us, I know for me, 
even still now sometimes feel embarrassed about this. It's like, I teach this, I shouldn't have this, but I still have cravings and it's totally normal. And sometimes they're a physical thing, which is what Bev specializes in. And I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on this. Like there's things missing from the way we're eating and things that we need. And sometimes it's an emotional thing and that's my area. So this is going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So should we kick off with our first start starting out of the block is I, you know, the question that always comes to mind for me is why do we crave junk food, never broccoli or anything like that usually. Um, And we know that it's junk food and it's not good for us. So kick us off with that, Suzanne. Well, I think sometimes it's the it's a marketing thing. So if you look at um, uh, a Mars a day helps you work, rest or play, or Snickers really satisfies, or like it's it's marketed to us in this way that these things will make us feel better. That nobody markets to us, go eat lettuce. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And we have this part of ourselves, like this inner bit, like this rebel going, nobody telling me what to do. But the thing is, nobody's telling you to eat lettuce. So I think sometimes like it's, it's these subliminal messages that come to us when we watch television, when we walk down the street, when we go to the shops, when we see the big colourful signs that the food will make us feel better or take the stress away. And like when you see the ads for all the companies, it's always, you know, that you have this and oh, you feel better. So I think, you know, a part of that is the way that it's been sold to us. Yeah, for sure. I think another thing that's really important here is that for people who've been chronic dieters, they have begun to demonize certain foods. So there's this low carb or low fat or low whatever it is. And so certain foods in the spectrum of normal eating that nature provided for us to eat, you know, so it's not something that comes in a bag, box, can or jar. I'm talking about stuff that you get in the fresh produce section. So I can't tell you how many people will tell me that they don't eat sweet potato. And yet, for example, sweet potato is one of those things that has tryptophan in, which is so good for your brain and your mood and everything. So it makes you function in high energy. So we've got this sort of whole mixed message. I agree. That's the marketing of the things that are, not food, they food like substances oftentimes, or they're not even food, you know, when yes. you have a Mars bar. Um, yes. Yep. And then you've got that. And then you've got, on the other hand, you've got what we've already got to eat. And yet we will not have a sweet potato because we think it's too high in carb. We're happy to eat a Mars bar. Oh, and then also too, there's so many ways we could go with this, Bev, but what came to mind when you were saying that is like, I have two young children. If I asked them like some healthy foods, they would list off, you know, broccoli, carrot, apple, pear, like, you know, foods. But then when you ask in, or if we ask, say, our great grandparents, they would talk about foods, you know, as you said, but for us in this day and age, there's, you know, low fat, low carb, keto, paleo, like, We've made, we've made food into these things. No wonder it's confusing. It's like, oh, it's so stressful. We don't actually talk about food. We talk about ways of eating and then is this way better than that way? We, we've kind of complicated something that young children and our great-grandparents, would they don't get because, you know, we've made it out to be something really big. 
And I think because if you think of when you do feel the craving, it's often when you're short of time or you are either under some level of stress or there's some life event that's happened. But the thing is, you talked about advertising and advertising has been conditioning us to say it's got to be quick and easy. But yet they talk about the TV dinner. Ta-da! Here's the TV dinner. Well, the fact that it can stay in the fridge, have you ever looked at those, the dates, the sell-by dates on those things? Mm. The fact that it can stay in a fridge, not in a freezer, in a fridge for months. I mean, that should give you a clue that there's nothing nutritional about that food. But I think the why we crave that too is a lot of the things that you talk about too is one is boredom and one is emotional eating. So let's talk about emotional eating. So a, a big thing that I work on with people and it'll be interesting for my followers watching this because I don't usually talk about the food as in actual what we eat because so often different bodies respond to different things and this is a whole other area. My main specialty is the emotions and that's because the number one thing I say to people and it's something I continually work on myself is am I actually hungry as in physical hunger or am I feeding head hunger or emotional hunger? And it happens to me like if I'm really tired, if I've taken on too much, if I've yelled at my kids and I, I feel really angry, um, I, I would rather, it's difficult to talk about, but I would rather feel guilty than angry or um, upset at somebody else. I would rather feel these internal feelings. And when I overeat in general, I feel really guilty and then I start beating myself up. So it's easier for me to deal with that than to deal with the fact that, you know, maybe somebody's wronged me or something, you know? And I think sometimes it's like, if you're not physically hungry, no amount of food is going to fix it because food will help you feel full. Um, if you're actually angry or stressed or tired or something, what you really need is to sleep or to rest or to do less. But we're in this time where we've got deadlines and we've got responsibilities. So what we tend to do is eat. And then not only do we have the underlying emotion that was there to begin with, but we have guilt and shame and, and, and these other things on top of that because we didn't actually solve it by eating. We may have felt better in that instant gratification like while we were eating the Mars bar or the Tim, Tam, Tim Tams and my go-to. But as soon as that's done, we have all this other stuff as well. And then that can lead us to thinking that there's just no point and it's too hard and we'll start again Monday, you know, the universal day to change our life. <laughs> yes. yes. And you know what I also think how a craving can sometimes happen for me is when I try to substitute. So let's say, for example, I'm just going to use an example that I hear a lot from my clients. After dinner, I would just love a one glass of wine. And so instead of just having even a quarter glass of wine, savoring it and enjoying it, they graze the whole evening, the rest of the evening on all sorts of things. And people will tell me they even eat things they don't like to eat because they've been trying to substitute because in their head, they're thinking that wine is not good for me. And yes, if you overdrank the wine, yes. Or like you said, is 
if you make a decision, you go through a process and you've made a decision that right in this moment, you're going to enjoy that piece of chocolate, then enjoy it, savor it. Because you, if you keep substituting, what's going to happen is the list of things you've eaten between when the craving first hit and when it passes is going to be probably half the pantry. Yes. And if, you, if you're using some form of program to track what you're doing, like you're counting calories or points or, or tracking the thing, um, like I'm not encouraging that behavior, but sometimes like a thing that I do personally is I photograph what I eat and I put it into a, a private Facebook group, which is you know, just me. And then I look for patterns because what can happen is that exact thing. It'll be like, what I really wanted was this. And I was like, I feel I shouldn't have it. So I'll have that instead. And all the substitutions, I, if I just had the thing in the first place in a small controlled amount and enjoyed it, it would have been over. But when I try and be good, that just sets me up for, you know, as you said, eating all this other stuff and then end up eating it anyway and just feeling really bad and actually quite sick because I've eaten so much. You know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And what always I've always wondered is why do we call junk food a treat? We always associate, I've never heard of anyone mentioning a good food as a treat. So, like, help me understand some of that. I think a lot of that is back into the marketing as well because we're trying to sell it, you know. Um, it's a treat food. It's a reward. Um, it's a lot of how some of us were brought up and it's something as a mother to young children I have to, I have to be really wary of because it's just conditioned in me. And, like, so, for example, my daughter is at school now um, we're not very athletic family. Like we, we are healthy and we do things, but we're not ever going to be winners, you know? And she went in the school running carnival and she came last. And it, I was gutted because it brought up for me what it was like at school, like, you know, to come really last and other children perhaps not being as nice and you know, a bit of laughter and stuff. So she was gutted. I was gutted. And my first thought was, let's go to the bakery. <laughs> because let's go and buy a cake that will make it feel better that's a treat you know and I was like physically halfway walking there before I was like hang on I don't want to instill this type of behavior in her because it's my go-to but also it's like that's what we do when when your children you fall over and you skin your knee or something like sometimes you give them a lollipop or if you go and have uh, a needle like we give you a a, a, a sweet like we we push these things or we reward these activities with lollies um, and then it becomes a habit, like a real habit. Like, you know, when you go to bed, you brush your teeth. When you have something painful, you have something sweet. And that, I think that's a lot to do with the, the treat. Like you deserve it. Something bad has happened um, and we are ignoring or pushing down the emotion instead of saying, like, my daughter and I end up having a conversation and she's like, mommy, I was really sad that I came last. And I was like, it's okay. It's okay that you came last and it's okay to feel sad about it. We can feel sad sometimes, you know, it's an allowable thing. We don't have to push it with food. We don't have to treat it. We can just feel it and then move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. All that conditioning, if you think of it, I mean, mine for, for me, which I still continue to need to work on and you'd think, well, Hell's teeth, you've got a lot of vintage years behind you, but I'm still working on it. 
is I was never allowed to talk at the dinner table until I'd finished my food. So what do I do? I shovel my food in. Sometimes, you know, I wouldn't even have been aware of what I've eaten, even as an adult. So there are these things. And I think when you bring awareness to them and shine a light on it, then that sort of supports you too. And the other thing is, you're right, when we celebrate things, it's always with sweet treats. So when we have birthdays and, and parties and stuff like that, there's always the, the sweet treat. And then the other thing I can think of, and I think I was guilty of this myself, so hopefully any mums listening kind of can give themselves some grace, is eat your dinner, get your dessert. Yes, yes, yes. I um, finish everything on your plate and then it's, it's actually something that in my household we have, um, we don't have treats. We have sometimes foods. It's, it's, it's all about how you label it. And also sometimes we would have what would be considered a dessert, but not every night. And it's like now, originally I lived interstate. Now I'm back into the same state as my family. So when my family members visit, that's what they do and they still do it. And I'm not saying that they can't, but it's just like in you, you need to do that once the children are in bed because I don't want my kids set up that we eat dinner, we eat past full. And then the, there's even the joke, I don't know about your family, but it'd be like, I have a second stomach just for desserts or oh, yes. there's always room for ice cream and things like that. And it's like, how are even joking about those things? Are we introducing them into our subconscious and then taking them on as a belief? Yeah, and it's and it's the stillest thing, you know. For example, I met one woman, and originally I thought that's a weird way to do things, but I think she had recognised what she wanted when she went out. She always used to eat dessert first, and then leave space for what was. And I thought, how weird is that? But I guess for her, maybe she was past the conditioning. And just saying, I don't eat dessert at home, but I am going to enjoy it when I'm out. And then I'll just eat till I'm full. You know, that I love of. that. <laughs> I can see myself doing that when I go out because sometimes it's like, that's what you're looking forward to. And that's what we're saying. Like Bev and I are not saying that you can't eat these things and you can't enjoy. Like the biggest thing is that you want to enjoy food. And, you know, if you go out and you're like, I really want whatever it is for dessert, but then I'm going to have the breads and the soup or the dip and like all the courses and you get to dessert and you're already so full, you don't even taste it really. And then, and then you feel sick and then you feel guilty and then it just spirals from there. You know? mm. Mm. So, so what do we need instead? How do we do this so that we can not be sort of slave to cravings? I think th th it's, it's twofold. Well, it's many fold, but part of it is, if you recognize a craving, I like to recommend to people to keep a cravings journal, like not a food diary, not something to beat yourself up with, but something just so you have evidence, you have data so you can observe. So sometimes like for me personally, if I'm regularly hungry at about three, four in the afternoon, like I have the cravings, it's often that I haven't had a solid enough breakfast, like I haven't eaten enough earlier in the day. So if there's a pattern to the craving, I look for, you know, what, what have I had earlier that day and, you know, how can I maybe adjust that? Or if it's an in-the-moment thing, like um, it's, 
I'm trying to think of an example, you know, like the, the, there's different types of cravings. There's ones that are habitual that may be adjusting to what you're eating and how much and when. And there may be ones that are conditional, like whenever I go and visit my mum, I always want to have dessert because they still do. And that's just a habit thing. So that's something to check in with myself and go, am I actually hungry or is this a, a pattern of behavior? And then there's times like where you're stressed or when you're tired and it's like, what do I really need in this moment? Do I need a nap? Do I need a walk? And how can I give that to myself? Like I might not be in a position to go and have a nap, but maybe I could take five minutes and just close my eyes and breathe or listen to a nice piece of music or, or just get outside with my cup of tea and have some fresh air or, or something to start, instead of just kind of like going, I'll eat and, and put it and shove it down and, and continue to, to, to do, you know? What do you think, Beth? Uh, I think that, you know, there's, there's so much information out there. And like you mentioned, all these types of, and ways of eating. And for me, the best way to overcome cravings is to actually have your own personalized health plan mm. because we are unique. So, for example, if somebody thrives on fermented foods or kombucha, that does not mean that you will. And so, therefore, um, if you have an eating protocol that's been guided and decided with you, you can then start to use your body as a barometer. And your body, as you check into your body about what it is that you're eating that feels good for you, as you start to nourish your body more, the cravings subside mm. because then you've got the right level of nutrients. So we mentioned, you know, often people who are craving sugar are, are lacking in a lot of minerals, you know. So you're thinking um, things like chromium from broccoli, phosphorus from things like eggs you know, sulfur from cabbage. And I mentioned tryptophan from turkey or things like that, spinach. So there, you need to often be guided in that way, but to create a plan that's for you because like I mean, the different diets have been genericized. Yes. Even when you're talking about paleo, not everybody can actually eat red meat. So it's... For me, it's, you know, your body is often the, some of the cravings that come up because of your nutrient deficient is because you're eating a plan that's be, been designed for the mass. And remember that somebody's usually written a book, they're selling a method, they're making money from it. It's not, it's not to me, it's not about um, supporting the greater mankind. That may have started that way, but it's usually a business. Yes. I think adding on to that, Bev, one other thing is the personalized plan for you as in um, what works for you and also realizing that that can change. See, I personally, I have released 78 kilograms. My requirements is in volume of food and type of food when I was at my biggest and now is radically different and that didn't happen overnight and when I did a prescribed program in the past like I dropped previously 40 kilos and 60 kilos on diets they were just like we'll just have a bit less or like they didn't take into the fact that you know as you release weight a lot of us become more active and and physically fit the the 
the amounts of different foods changes and it's just like eat less doesn't really work because your actually energy requirement increases so it's it's um personalized to you but also your body will change and then like the body i have now post um children as opposed to like a lot of people like i want to get back to where i was in high school well you were a different you back then so it's it's personalizing it and it's open to change as you do yeah absolutely and you mentioned there's something about the impact of how much we eat and with the timing of it so let's chat about that on it's our weight and our health you know how does it impact well, well, definitely. I think so many times if you follow a diet, everybody has different body types. Like if we were talking um, embryologically, I don't want to go into that because it's really confusing, but we, we develop from three layers, the endoderm, the ectoderm and the mesoderm. Some people have a more of a, a mesoderm body type, so they'll be taller and slimmer naturally, like the supermodel types. And then say for me, I'm more of an endomorph, I'm heavier set. So when I, when I tried to diet before and when I lost weight, I used to get really frustrated that I didn't look like them. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's really important that you can do the things to get the best body for you, but your makeup might be different to somebody else's. We have, you know, bigger shoulders, bigger hips, bigger chest or taller or shorter. Like we can't change our genetics, but we can change like how we think and how we feel about ourselves and make the most of them and work to our strengths. Like for me personally, as I got closer to goal weight in the past, I'd be like, do more cardio, like get more calories burnt. But I'm actually, I do better with weight. So I'm a strong person and I'm a strong body type. So with this, it's like looking at, you know, what, what works for you. So, so in terms of eating, if you follow a protocol or a diet that says meal, snack, meal, snack, meal, snack, and that works for some people. And then you try it and you're like, I don't get the results. And then the person as well-meaning as they are who's running it is like, well, you must be cheating or you're not trying hard enough. And you get really down on yourself. Perhaps you're not a body type who responds well to frequent amounts of food. Perhaps you do better more on you know, meals with no snacks or, or even intermittent fasting. But you won't know this until you test it out and see how you feel. Because no one can tell you how you feel. Are you feeling energetic? Are you feeling good? Are you feeling like heavy or lethargic or, or bouncy? It's, it's, it's really individual. And like, so for me personally, I don't talk a lot about how I eat because I don't want people to go, well, she's dropped 78 kilos. So I'm going to go and do that because the way I eat might not work for you. <laughs> so it's really about trialing it and not just trying it for a day or a week and going, Oh, that didn't work. Like really committing that this is going to be a long-term thing. This is your health for life not for a season and not for an event or not for Christmas. You know? And you mentioned there, I think for some people that sort of uh, five sort of portions of food spread out over the day works well if they've got low blood, blood sugar and that they need to, and that probably will remedy itself as the gut heals and other things change too. But I think the other thing is, is if the, you were to respond to your body and eat when you're hungry. So if you're naturally more hungry in the morning, eat more in the, during the morning, sort of front load your food, because what you don't want to be doing is you certainly don't want to be eating a big meal at night mm. because that's going to affect the quality of your sleep. So you're going to be wanting to eat more of your food and 
people often say, well, I've got a family to feed, so how do I do that? Well, everybody can have a bigger breakfast. Or you could cook the meal for family and have le less that night, but have a bigger portion of that for lunch the next day while your kids are at school. You know, so you can work around that and, and the timing of when you eat that food is probably relevant. And for me, like I mentioned, you know, that I gobble up my food. You need to chew your food properly. Your stomach doesn't have teeth. <laughs> your mouth has teeth. So what you need to do is chew it and masticate it until it's slushy. And so for somebody who really eats quickly, and then that, that causes another problem is that your satiety hormones don't kick in in time and you overeat. So if you, let's say, for example, you tend to eat quickly, is to, there's some strategies. You can put your knife and fork down between each mouthful. You can even count the number of chews just to be bringing it really consciously to yourself. Because sometimes I notice I've probably chewed a piece of chop six times. And, no, that won't be enough. Mm. You know? So it's, it's sort of bringing just some being present with the food and really, you know, allowing it to nourish because whilst your stomach has got hydrochloric acid, most of us, because we're stressed out, we don't have enough hydrochloric acid. So it doesn't break the food down. The food then starts going through the gut and it ferments in the gut. And that's where you get the bloating and the flatulence from. So it can start from even just when you eat too quickly, you're actually taking too much um, air while you're eating. So there's pockets of air in the food. So it could even be from that. But I think just that whole mindfulness around eating for me is, I'd say, you know, these are some of the things you can take away and you can implement one of these things at a time, you know, slow down your eating, serve less on your plate, those sort of things. And wait a few minutes to work out whether you really do need another plate of food, you know, that kind of thing, because your satiety hormones take some time to kick in. So I always say, you know, wait a short while and work out if you are really still hungry or it's just, it's good. So you kind of think, oh yeah, I'll have another, another plate because those hormone regul that hormone regulation every time you eat is also governed by how much sleep you have. So if you are not sleeping well enough and also definitely at rest between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. at night when your hormone all the hormone systems, the whole endocrine systems being reset. And if you do not get deep enough sleep, they do not balance the ghrelin and leptin. So what ends up happening is that you overeat, number one, and then you keep eating. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, you know, so from a, a cravings point of view, that's why sometimes you can't stop because that hormone is not kicking in in your brain either. So it's sort of really important. I don't want to go run down the rabbit hole with that, but it's really important. Good sleep, it governs how you eat the next day. Yeah, and I can, I can really attest to that. And the other thing that you spoke about is eating later at night. See, I front load my food personally. I eat the majority of my food at breakfast and then lunch. And then I tend to eat dinner quite early and quite a small amount. But I have a husband and a family. So what we do is I still sit down with them and I have a, a much smaller portion, 
but people ask me, am I setting my children up with bad examples like mum's not eating? But it's not like I'm not eating or I'm not part of it. It's like mummy is not very hungry. So we talk a lot about checking in with whether you're hungry or not. Um, and it's and also too, I really love how you said about putting the cutlery down. It feels like a drag, you know, the first few times you do it or chewing a lot feels like a drag. But after a while, it does become a habit. And the other thing that I do personally, and I recommend my clients, is I eat off a small plate. So my children and I have the exact same sized plate. And I used to be embarrassed when I went to someone's house and that to ask for a smaller plate because you do. You put the food on the plate to fill it and then you eat because you have that whole eyes are bigger than your stomach, that saying. Well, obviously, literally, they're not, but you, you will eat you know, to an amount. So I actually eat off a small plate. And then when I finished, I wait about 20 minutes and I used to actually literally set an alarm and now um, I don't need to. And then I'll have, you know, we tend to play cards or board games after dinner and, and have this social time and then check, hmm, actually I'm not hungry. Whereas growing mm -hmm. up, we would eat a whole big thing and then we'd eat dessert and then we'd all kind of sit on the couch and watch TV and feel bloated and gross. So it's that, it's that thing of, of being mindful of checking in with yourself. And often when you do front load and eat a lot more earlier in the day, only if you're hungry, like don't make yourself eat, you find you're not as hungry in the evenings. And I find that when I do have a big meal or especially something sweet late at night, my, I don't sleep as well. I feel restless and I wake up a lot. Exactly, because what's happening is digestion is still taking place. So it takes on average for most people about three hours for your meal to be digested. So that's why, you know, if you're eating at eight o'clock at night and then you're trying to go to bed at 10 o'clock, you've still got another hour of digestion to go. And then that means that probably the, horm the sleep hormones are kicking in because you're restless. Mm -hmm. The body's very, the body's very clever. It deals with what it's being given and it tries to adapt to the best way that it can. And I think another thing that's really important here is we're talking about doing one or two things consistently. We are not talking about perfection. We are trying to get, just to understand that, like you said, I love the way that you say, have a cravings journal, because you need to see the pattern. It's so much in our subconscious, the cravings most of the time, that we don't even realize it. I know that when I was having my kitchen done recently, I ate a whole slab of lint dark chocolate without even realizing it. And I teach this stuff. I know this stuff. It's not that I, but this is the thing is that your subconscious can sometimes just help you along the wrong path instead of you just being in that awareness. Oh gosh. Okay. I'm going to enjoy this. Just take one cube once one row, whatever it is and put the thing away. Mm. So I say it's, it's just, you know, finding those one or two things that you can start with. Once you've got those fairly well mastered, I would say like the 80%, 80-20%, then add something else, you know. So if you know that the thing that you do the most is gobble up your food, then look at those ideas that we've just mentioned earlier. If it's that you eat too much, then look at a smaller plate. You know, there's a whole lot of ways where you can just get started, but just get consistent that's what i'd say exactly i love it so is there any other pearls of wisdom that you want to leave our listeners with today i think it's it's as you were saying it's 
picking one thing and starting with that. And I know that what tends to happen is we kind of ignore it, we ignore it, we ignore it, we get really frustrated with ourselves and we want to change everything and we want to notice it tomorrow. You know who? And what happens when we do that is we set ourselves up for this roller coaster of all or nothing or all or nothing. And the way that Bev and I are talking about, the changes are slow, but I think what people fail to recognize is they compound. So if you make this one change of eating from a smaller plate, so you're decreasing the volume, that in and of itself is not going to have a huge result tomorrow or next week, but over time it will. And over time you are adding in all these other little things. The power of this positive compound interest results in a big thing. So I have lost weight before on crash diets. I can totally lose five, seven kilos in a week or two weeks. I can also gain it back just as fast. On this journey to dropping a 78 kilograms, I didn't really hit a plateau or slow down. It actually kind of stayed quite steady state, though slower than in the past, because all the things kicked in over time. And then when you get towards the end, they're all habits. I don't need to do more and more and more to keep this body now. Like this whole maintenance thing could be a whole conversation and I don't want to take us down that rabbit hole. But this fear of maintenance, it's not a thing when you make these your habits because that's just your way of being and you still trip up and you still get triggered and you still have times where you know you go and do that but the amount that you eat is less the time that you do it is less and you have the skills to get straight back on not wait for the motivation not wait for monday well said yeah and obviously we're so delighted that you joined us today and you can learn from us more we've going to give you the opportunity so I've got an encore webinar, which is one of my most downloaded. It's called Better Sleep, Better Waistline. So it's just going to go into the detail of those hormones that I mentioned earlier. And the link um, is bit.ly forward slash better sleep, better waistline, all lowercase. What about you, Suzanne? Well, my webinar is coming up. So by the time this comes out, it will probably be, um, I'm going to make it available as an encore as well. It's called How to Finally Trigger the Long-Term Weight Loss Journey. And it's about, yeah, the, the habits and the small sustainable. And it's, you know, if you're done beating yourself up and you're done being nasty to yourself and you're done starting Monday and you're ready to make these small sustainable challenge changes to build your skills, um, and I'm not sure on the link, I don't have Bitly yet, but we'll pop it in the video description or the show notes. Awesome. So remember, if you have got questions, please be sure to post them below this video. And also remember, you know, if you like what you're hearing now, like it and share it. And then more people can get to sort of feel in control of those cravings rather than being controlled by them. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Bev, and thank you, everybody, for watching. Thanks. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, and I would love to know what you enjoyed most about this episode. You can connect with me on Facebook by searching for Living Fabulously with Bev, or feel welcome to leave a message or comment on my website. You can get the links and any references from this episode in the show notes at my website, www.livingfabulously.com forward slash podcasts. Do you have a friend who you think deserves to live fabulously? Spread the love around by sharing the podcast with them right now. Until next time, be sure to live the fab life. The information shared here and in our programs and webinars should not be seen as medical advice. 
and is not meant to take the place of seeing licensed health professionals.